I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. What's up, everyone? It's Noah Daniels, and we're here for another episode of the Real Hauntings podcast. On this episode, we have Joshua. He's here to help us co-host again, Joshua Darian. You can find him on all his social medias at Joshua Darian. I don't know why I'm doing his plug. He usually does it. But Joshua, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I know you were feeling under the weather, and we really, really appreciate you being here. Yeah, anytime. The food poisoning almost took me out, but it, it didn't finish the job, so I'm here. <laughs> well, I uh, I know that is no fun, and especially when you have a young kid that just uh, or a young, well, I mean you have a baby uh, that yeah. that can really complicate things. So, hope you get to feeling better ASAP. And we have an awesome guest. She has ghost stories, absolutely, but she has also dealt a lot with the other side of how ghosts are made with death which is something that kind of freaks me out and i had to put my big boy pants on and watch all her tiktoks and <laughs> that scared me much more than many of the ghost stories i've heard so angelina thank you so much for coming on the podcast her tiktok is at angelina explains yeah we're super stoked to have you here thank you so much i am super excited to be here so one thing we love to find out from our guests is where they fall on what we call the believo meter zero meaning you don't believe in ghosts and 10 ghosts are absolutely real where do you fall on that scale i feel like it's such a it's complicated i don't want i'm gonna put myself at a seven or eight i want to put myself at a 10 but i have to say a seven or eight because i grew up in a super religious household and i think that thinking of you know usually like the secular terminology of ghost as opposed to say like angel or a demon or a demonic possession stuff like that i think i was so socialized out of thinking like that that i feel like there's a little bit of a warring energy there's the way i was raised kind of fighting with my natural instinct as a person and being 
possibly an empath. I've been told by by people over the years that I was an empath, and I guess I I can see where I don't know. I haven't ever put too much uh, too much stock into it. But to make a, a long story long, <laughs> um, I guess I just feel like. I definitely believe that I'm going to put myself at a seven or eight because there is a part of me that has kind of kept my head down and not looked too closely into it out of fear because of what I've already experienced when I was younger before, you know, I was sort of socialized out of it, if that makes any sense. Yeah, for sure. I think Joshua, I think we can both relate to that being raised in like a, you know, a pretty Southern standard Christian yeah. home. I, I was trying to think of the right way to phrase that, but uh, being raised in Christianity and like going to church all the time. Um, I think you and I both had that similar upbringing in that way. I won't say that it necessarily complicates things with the paranormal, but it sometimes it can take getting older to kind of make sense of everything. I can right. definitely agree with that. Like it's a, it's a constant challenge, I think, of what you have been indoctrinated with in a sense not necessarily in the, the negative connotation that I, I said that in, but kind of what you've been indoctrinated with, what you've grown up with, what you've been told, like, these are the rules. This is how it is. This is all it's going to be. And then having your own experiences and then lining those two things up and just being like, there's got to be like a, a crossroad somewhere here where, right. where I believe, yes, it may be true, but there's also things that I don't know like I don't understand yet that are intertwining with this. So yeah, we definitely relate to that, uh, especially in, in my household. That sounds like me every time I explain why I'm doing this. Yeah, oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And Angelina, something I want you to tell our audience because your experiences all kind of run through this thread. Can you tell us about the different professions you have had because oh, one, one thing I noticed is, or at least the three, you're not putting your professions in a box, but this is just what I discovered from listening <laughs> to your stories. The three main right. ones that you talk about on TikTok, can you kind of tell us about those professions? Well, I am definitely one of those people. I never have lived out my calling. Like I really always wanted to be a writer, but I never really had the confidence to go for it. But I've always done writing in the background and editing and things of that nature. But I'm literally one of those people, even though I had I went to Emory University, I had a great education, but I just have tripped through life doing completely disparate, separate jobs with no connection to each other. So I know, and and I even had a few people in the comments say like, wow, you've really had kind of an, you know, an interesting career. I'm like, yeah, there is no career. It's just a, it's a hodgepodge. And I'm in my late forties and I'm kind of continuing to add to that list of random work. But all I can say is doing all those jobs has led to me having, being involved with really interesting people. And, and it's given me the ability to have these stories to talk about and maybe write about one day. Jobs I think I've referenced to is working in the funeral home industry, because I did consider becoming a mortician, although I, I ultimately didn't do that. I also worked as a massage therapist for years. And I worked as a real estate agent for years. I worked in software development as a technical writer. I've, I've done a whole bunch of stuff, but those are the ones I think I've hit on in my TikTok so far. My ADD brain while I was watching that was like, oh, I can relate to this so much. I just want to spin all the plates. Look at all these plates that I spin for her. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Uh, in the timeline of your life, was it funeral home, massage therapist, and then real estate agent? Or what came first, middle and last in that? Yes, that's exactly right. Okay, That's the correct order. There was so, more stuff in between. So I want to start with the funeral home. So this is what drew me to 
your channel. This is like the video that came across for me first. You were talking about a woman who was 27. And at the time, I believe you said you were also 27, 26 or 27. Can you share that with our audience? And then I've, I've got, and I'm sure Joshua will too, some questions about that and just kind of the industry as a whole. Okay, awesome. So I worked at the funeral home the year I was 26 years old. This is going to date me big time, but um, it was a time when that HBO show Six Feet Under was on and was super, super popular. And I was so heavily influenced by it. So it sounds cheesy, but that's what gave me the idea to to go into the industry because I knew I had the type of demeanor as a person. And I just knew intuitively I could handle the, you know, the seeing that rough stuff and the gore and everything was, I could handle it and I could just, I could hang with it. I just knew it. And so I did get a, I got a place to take a chance on me. I got written off by three or four places, uh, funeral homes, because I had no experience. And I think they think like these morbid looky-loo type people are going to come trying to get a job. And for me, I just wanted to see if I could hack it, honestly. But when I worked there during that year, I guess the the death that I saw that had the biggest impact on me was a girl who came into the funeral home or a body that came into the funeral home. She was 26, just like me. She had died in a, a really horrific motorcycle accident. And we looked really similar. And everyone in the funeral home was talking about it because it was so striking. At that point, I think I felt very invincible because I was 26. And when I saw this woman who was my age, she looked so much like I did. I think it kind of like was a weird wake up call of like, you know, maybe too much of a wake up call because it did kind of launch me down this this mental path of looking at life as being kind of a final destination movie, you know, any minute my, the, the clock could be up for me. Um, okay. So this girl, it was a weekend in Northern Virginia. She was dating a guy who was in the police Academy about to graduate, uh, to become a cop. They were out over the weekend. They were drinking. He had a motorcycle. So they're driving home from whatever bar or party they were at. Um, I think it was like two or three in the morning. And for some reason, this guy made the decision to drive up on the curb of whatever street he was on. So he's on the curb, he's driving, he comes upon like a, a sign or um, a pole on the sidewalk. And he really quickly like dodged his head out of the way. And she was, you know, behind him holding on to him. So he dodges his head out of the way. Of course, she has no idea what's coming. And it just catch, catches her right in the jaw like this. And just the physics of it, it just basically tore her jaw straight off her body. So you had her body and her jaw completely separate. It was taken off from her body so cleanly and her family wanted an open casket ceremony. A lot of people, when people die, they just can't get it right in their head that it doesn't make sense to do an open casket in, in those kind of cases. And so we have to kind of show them like, look, there's no way we can make your loved one look presentable enough that it would make sense for an open casket. So at first we're looking at this lady, like, is there anything that can be done? And there absolutely wasn't. But the thing about her that was so striking is that her jaw was just taken so cleanly off, just this part and then the front part of her neck. And from her her lips up to here, it, it was absolutely perfect. I mean, this, this girl was into makeup like myself and she had on mascara, eyeshadow, lipstick, and all of it just, per there wasn't a bruise on her face. Her face looked perfect just no no jaw. So it was a very surreal thing to look at with your eyes, especially looking down at someone who looked just like you. 
Okay. Yeah. That's an intense ass story. So, (laughs) and the reason I wanted you to share that with our audience, so often we talk about paranormal, supernatural, about really scary stuff. And for me, it was a good reminder of just how scary real life can be and how tragic it can be. And I guess my question for you is what is it about your makeup and I, and, and not the makeup you have on your face, but uh, your, your, your gumption (laughs) that allows you to look at life through a prism that most of us can't. I mean, I don't know about you, Joshua, but like, I could not, I don't think I could come back from seeing that. Angelina, what is it do you think inside of you that allows you to take that part of life, which is death that, you know, it's going to happen to all of us, tragic or not, and be able to view it for it to be tangible, something that you had to touch and deal with. And you talk about being part of like body retreat. Like I never even thought about that with funeral. Oh, yeah. That's a whole job. Yeah, it, it was so crazy. Fa- and, and we won't get into all that, you know, that's super appropriate content here. But audience, I mean, it's really interesting content about that profession. And, and I just didn't realize that that is stuff that people do that work in the funeral home. And I mean, yeah, what what is it about you, you think that that has allowed you to handle that? I mean, was it something in growing up? Were you just extra, like just more tough than everybody else? How? No, that's a good, I, I think it's a combination of factors. I think for one, I was raised in one of those families, like the kind of family where they weren't going to take you to the doctor unless you were like on death's door, like kind of pick yourself up by your bootstraps kind of parents. They were both like that. And I think because they were so tough. I think there was a little, I'm an Italian American. So I think there was a certain amount of toughness built into me from the way my parents were. And they were both the same way. There's always been something in me that was a little bit curious about morbid, macabre things. Like not to the point that I I think I would translate as being like a weirdo or anything. Like I'm socially, I, you know, I'm on the same page with people, but I think I just had enough of an intrigue and the morbid and that type of stuff that crossed with the toughness of my family that I just... I intuitively knew it wouldn't freak me out. One of those people I've had been a little bit touched by death. I I know a, a, three people who have been murdered and I've had a couple um, people in my family die really prematurely. Mm. Okay, so we're going to get into your paranormal story. So you dealt with death growing up. Maybe it informed some of who you are. So let's transition into you becoming a massage therapist. Um, you shared a story on there that I, I found pretty scary and especially the validation that you got from other people in that space about your haunting. Pretty scary. I, I would love for you to share <laughs> that with the audience. I graduated massage school in 2004, 2005. And this was a few years after the funeral home stuff had ended. I worked at a spa that was in, in a really beautiful spa in this historic building. And the building had previously been like a textile factory. This is just ripe for a haunting, right? Because you've got, you got this old building and this beautiful, cool spa. They had assigned me a room to work in to do my, specifically to see all my clients in this room. Usually massage, massage rooms tend to be like small and kind of cozy because you don't want like a big drafty room for a person, you know, laying down on a table for an hour and a half or whatever. But this was a bigger room. It was always cold and drafty, always. And I always wonder if there was, you know, that connotation between, it was always cold in there. We had to have a heater on that table. But in the corner of the room, there was a big antique, wooden chair, like one much bigger than what you would need to sit in. It was like ridiculously big, probably from the late 1800s. It was beautiful. And I had worked there maybe for a week or two. It was brand new. I was changing out the the linen on the massage table. I saw something out of the corner of my eye 
and I just kind of looked up over to the side at that chair and there's this man kind of sitting with his arms. It was one of those chairs with the arms. He was just sitting completely still, kind of what you'd think of as a ghost, like an apparition. Like I could see the man, details of his clothes and the way his face looked, but he had that sort of gray, slightly kind of cloudy look to his, I don't know how to describe it, but it was very classically how people would describe a ghost. And he had very Abe Lincoln vibes. He was very slender and he had like a full beard, but it was very neatly trimmed. And he had a collared shirt on, but the sleeves were rolled up to his elbows. And then he had like a vest buttoned up over his his shirt. It was not a look of 2004 is what I'm saying. A look of someone from a different time. And he wasn't looking at me. He was just staring straight ahead. You know, I dropped whatever was in my hands and I ran out the door because I know what I saw. There's no way it was, there's no way it was a fleeting thing that I made up in my mind. I 1000% saw this man and looked over him carefully enough to pick up all those details. He didn't say anything. He didn't look at me. I ran out the door and I went to the, the owner of the spa. I just said, Hey, I, you know, I don't want to sound like some crazy person. I know we don't know each other well, but I said, I feel like I just saw something in the massage room. I'm, I'm a little bit concerned. It, it actually kind of looked like a ghost. I was like, once again, don't want you to think I'm crazy. And she was immediately, yes, there, there's, there's a guy he's here. He's, he's in that room and he's sorry. I didn't tell you, but she's like, let's keep this under wraps. We don't talk about this. We're not trying to lose clients over this. And like, she kind of shut it down fast. And I was like, okay, Okay. Thanks for the warning, lady. I have a strong heart, but what if I didn't? You know what I mean? That's a lot. That didn't scare me away because like I said, I'm just like a different kind of person. But a few weeks later, I was working on a client. It was a lady. She was face down on the table. And every time I was in that room, I was my heart was always beating. I was hyper aware of that man possibly coming back. And I mean, that's kind of an odd position to be in, to be giving somebody a massage anyway, because you're not relaxed. But I saw it out of the corner of my eye again. And I I looked up and he was sitting there. He wasn't looking at me. And I looked over at him and he was just there. He wasn't going anywhere. And I was like, this lady's talking to me, you know, and I'm like trying to carry on my conversation with her and keep in step with giving this massage. But I was thinking, bro, I get it. This is your domain. You've been here a lot longer than me. We're good. I've got no beef with you. I've got no problems with you. If you want to hang out in that chair, <laughs> as long as you stay over in the chair, I will stay here and this can be our arrangement. I have no problem with you. You know, that's what I was saying in my head. I was like, I just kept my eyes down and worked on this lady. And eventually I looked back up and he was gone. I kind of was sad though, because I never saw him again after that. But maybe because I just said, hey, there's, I'm not challenging that this is your domain, you know? You go through this. I mean, that's a pretty intense haunting. Not only did you see an apparition, thankfully it was, it seems like non-threatening, but oh yeah, it's also in your space that you're working while you're trying to do stuff, which is pretty disconcerting. And then you get that validation from your employer. What was that feeling like? I mean, I mean was this the first time that you had the supernatural validated for you? I never thought about that, but I guess it was because in my past as a kid, I definitely had a, a few experiences, nothing that concrete in terms of literally seeing someone to the point that I could see his clothing and everything, but I had enough experiences, but I was so shut down when I shared that information with my family that I think like I knew in my child brain, this stuff does exist. 
I had one time that a friend showed me a picture that her mom took. Her mom was a real estate agent. The real estate agent thing would just keeps coming up. Like real estate agents, you're going to see ghosts if you're a real estate agent. I'll just tell you that. But this girl showed me a picture her mom had taken when she was shooting pictures to list a house. And her mom had shot into a bathroom and you could see the mirror. And in, in that mirror, when she developed those pictures, that's dating me, but it was that long ago. When she developed the pictures, you could clearly see like the face of a woman, the same kind of cloudy look as this guy. And she also kind of had that old timey look. And so I'd seen that picture that my friend showed me and she's like, dude, check this out. Like, this is legit a ghost. And I was like, oh my God, you're right. That's the only other time I had someone in agreement with me. Like, you're not crazy because there's, it was irrefutable proof. It wasn't a picture, you know, even her mom agreed it was a ghost. Joshua, do you think that that's kind of the fight or flight coming out of us when that happens? Is some people are able just to go, yep, this, hey, look, I've got my job. I'm going to keep working here. I'm not going to just leave because there's a ghost sitting in this room with me. That sounds so wild to say, even when you've had it validated. I mean, what do you kind of make of the the kind of human aspect of that? Yeah, I 100% believe in the fight or flight, like varying responses. Long story short, uh, when my wife and I were living in in an apartment in Atlanta, we had an experience. And by we, I mean, she had an experience that she decided to tell me um, a morning or two after about a black mass. But she was so tired and she was thirsty and she wanted some water. She just saw it and was just, eh. All right, well, have fun. And she literally went back to bed and went to oh, sleep yeah. immediately. That's that's her fight or flight response. My fight or flight response is to turn all the lights on and go back into my uh, my Christian days and and do some praying and some, <laughs> some some pacing around the around the apartment. But that's you know. So I, I think that Angelina, for you, like your your fight or flight seems to to be similar to my wife, like, I, I, it just appears to me that you're a pretty fast processor. And you can just kind of you have the initial joke. Oh, and then your brain's logic, logic, logic. Oh, can't logic that ghost ghost. Okay, am I good? Am I hurt? Okay, I'm good. Checklist is complete. I'm good. Stay over there. I'm good. I'm gonna keep doing what I'm doing. <laughs> and because my, my, my wife is like, so similar in that regard, like with her experiences. And so I think you just have you're just one of those fast processors who can just kind of take it and move on. But I also think it might, you know, you said uh, something about, you know, being a, maybe like an empath of some sort. I think that could also play a big factor into it, because if it's your gift, there might be just a natural mechanism that allows you to not be as scared as most people would be or respond in a way that most people would, just because right. even if it's not necessarily discovered, the same natural or I guess spiritual instincts are still inside of you. And so they kick in in moments like those where it's like, okay. Cool. Ghost Abraham Lincoln in the corner of the room. But (laughs) this this woman is here. So I'm going to finish the job because Ghost (laughs) Abraham Lincoln is not going to stop me from getting my paycheck. I respect that. Right. Well, and I agree with you about the empath thing. I think there's a little bit of a familiar familiarity with feeling spiritual presence from being a kid, feeling it, but not seeing it when I was a kid. But another thing I will say is I think I 1000% was like this in a few of these cases and with the ghost Abraham Lincoln guy, because it was me crossing, just crossing past like ships in the night with this guy. In other words, it was not personal. When I think of some of the stories I've listened to on your podcast, where it was like a doppelganger or there was an, a personal attack on someone, their person or their child, that's when you get into terrifying territory. That's yeah. when I'm terrified and I can't say I wouldn't be running out of a house screaming. But with this guy, it felt so unrelated to me. I felt I didn't feel threatened by it. So I think that's the difference. 
This episode of the Real Hauntings Real Ghost Stories podcast is brought to you by Wild Grain. Hey y'all, it's Noah Daniels and oh boy, I just got my box of Wild Grain bread and pasta. My whole family has been so excited to dive in. We started with a sourdough and it was amazing. If you're looking to make Mother's Day brunch planning easier or just looking for a great gift for your mom, you've got to check out Wild Grain. Order before May 6th to get your box in time for Mother's Day. Wild Grain is the first ever bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads fresh pastas and artisanal pastries every item bakes frozen in 25 minutes or less no thawing required the next thing up for us to try is the biscuits with our breakfast and you can now fully customize your wild grain box so you can choose any combination of breads pastas and pastries You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. Plus, for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box. When you go to wildgrain.com slash hauntings to start your subscription. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash hauntings. That's wildgrain.com slash hauntings, or you can use promo code hauntings at checkout. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. I know our time is running up, but you got a couple more stories oh my gosh. Um, yes. that, that I want to get to. So let's move into your experience that you, or I think you had two experiences as a real estate agent. Um, if you want to share those with us as well. I will. And then if I can swing, fit in like the truly scary, the demonic possession one, like that's the one thing that still, I feel haunted by that. None of this other stuff has had an impact on me like that. So yes, for sure. 2014, I'll do them in chronological order. In 2014, I was living in Atlanta, but considering buying a house in Denver, I was not a real estate agent, Um, but I was working with a real estate agent. So for two weekends in a row in the fall of 2014, I flew to Denver and this agent spent the weekend showing me like multiple houses. And so that first weekend on the first day, we saw 12 properties and this property was, we were looking outside of Denver. It's very expensive to live there. We were looking in like these mountain towns like Conifer and Evergreen outside of Denver. So the properties we were looking at were a little bit more remote. And the 12th house we went to on that day, by that time it was Saturday evening, it was dark outside. And it was a super cool, like really chill looking 70s style house. It had this mid-century modern furniture in it. It was a dope place to live. And I mean, my I feel like my agent was... It was one of those like 
what's, is there something wrong with the foundation? Like, why is this cool house still available? It did not just hit the market. You know what I mean? And so we were in there and we went in, there was no one else there. It wasn't the kind of place where someone else could have been parked somewhere. I mean, you just could see there was clearly no other car. It's not a place you could approach on foot, you know, kind of deal. So we were pretty isolated. So we get inside this property and I will say from the minute I stepped inside, I was taken, I was taken in by the beauty of the place, but I had that old feeling I used to get when I was a kid where I felt the combination of uneasiness and nausea, which is my sort of empath thing where whenever I would be in a place that there was some bad juju or whatever, or if I was around a person who was just a bad character, I would get that feeling really intensely. And so I had that feeling when I was in the house and I just like people do, I just dismissed it. I was like, oh, we've been going all day. I haven't eaten much. I'm nauseous because I have low blood sugar, whatever. And so the agent absolutely was not a believe. I could just tell you from knowing her for one day, she was not somebody who would buy into any of that kind of foolishness or whatever. Like that's how she would look at it. But anyway, she was in the kitchen and I said, hey, I know it's not usually cool to use the bathroom, but I said, I got to go. Can I just go use the bathroom on the main floor? And she's like, yeah, sure. There's nobody here. It's cool. And um, so I left her in the kitchen. I walked to the back of this house and it was a big house. And um, I'm in the bathroom, closed the door in the master bedroom. And while I was in there going to the bathroom, I heard what sounded like somebody like kind of murmuring through the door, like trying to talk to me. It was very weird. I was thinking, okay, I've only known this lady for a day, but she just doesn't strike me as a creepy person. Like, why in the hell would she do that? And I said something back like, hey, I'll be out in just a second. You know, I'll, I'll... I'll get with you in just a minute. Cause I thought, what a weird thing to do, like right outside the door, like murmuring something to me. And I was like, I don't know about, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm questioning this lady now. So I get out of the bathroom. I walk through the house. She's in the kitchen and she looked irritated and disturbed. And I said, I said, Hey, well, you know, what's up? And she's like, what were you doing back there? And I said, uh, I just went to the bathroom. I was like, I, I mean, I looked at the master bedroom, but I was like, nothing crazy. And uh, she's like, yeah, I just, I heard this really loud banging. What did you, did you drop something? And I said, no, I promise. And she's, and were you trying to talk to me from back there? And I said, what do you mean? And she, she was just, I, I was hearing this voice. She's like, it didn't even sound like you, but I mean, of course there's nobody, you know, there's no one here. And I said, I said, no, wait a second. And I said, why did you come into the bedroom? And why were you talking, you know, like whispering through the door? I said, that was weird. <laughs> and she goes, I have been in the kitchen the entire, the entire time. I did I stayed here waiting for you. And because I wanted to show you around the house. And I said, well, there's somebody back there talking to me through the door. And she's like, well, there was someone trying to talk to me from back there. And somebody had to have dropped something. There was a loud sound. And I just looked at her and I, she looked at me at the same time. She was like, we got to go. Like she took me by, (laughs) by the elbow and she, we got the fuck out of there. And the thing is, I realized as it, as we were kind of making our exit and she's looking around, I'm realizing this lady is thinking some people in that house. Like this was going to be like the start of some true crime where somebody was rolling up on us and they were going to murder us in that house or something. I went straight to ghost. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's what I went straight to because there's no way anyone, no one could have come there on foot. I don't see that there was a way that someone could have hidden their car in the woods or something. It just wasn't that kind of You know what I mean? So I think the lady was thinking, we're about to get murdered right now. Like, let's get the hell out of here and get to a safe place. And I was thinking, this house is haunted. It has super bad energy. I feel nauseous. This is why this house hasn't sold. And question answered, I'm not buying it. 
good luck to whoever chooses to go, you know, go in there. Did the uh, murmuring sound like four scores and seven years ago? Or... <laughs> it was like Abe had followed yeah. me from... <laughs> <laughs> Wooden teeth clacking. That That's one was a lot creepy. creepier, honestly. You know, when the thing happened with Abe Lincoln, I it did feel cold in the room, but I didn't feel the, the nauseous, uneasy feeling. I don't know why. I didn't have it with that guy, which made it easier. But that house, I felt very uneasy. And so I was scared because, you know, I had that internal mechanism going off. Yeah. You know? Well, Joshua, I know you're a big trust your gut guy. I mean, I, I feel like you probably would have handled that similar of just getting the hell out of there. Ah, that stressed me out. Uh, just Because <laughs> I, I try not to put myself in people's shoes in these stories, you know, just experience it, you know, objectively. But yeah, I was putting myself in, in your shoes. I would have had to pay something on that house. I know that for sure. Because I would have busted <laughs> the door down. I have certain it's like the Kool-Aid rules. man just running through the wall. <laughs> That's exactly right. what you would have seen. Because <laughs> like I, I have certain rules when it comes to like paranormal experiences. I mean, it's it's normally like don't bother me while I'm asleep. Like just any other time, just pick literally any. Uh, but like talking, don't talk to me either. I really I don't care. Do not talk to me. There is no conversation that we need to have. So the murmuring, that alone, I like. Ah. Yeah. So yeah, that, that one has me a little shook. I'm back out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That had me creeped out for sure. Let's just jump to the really scary story. All right. So I'll skip the other uh, real estate one. That one's like more funny to me than anything. And okay. And I will give a trigger warning because um, I know that's important, but it, it is talking about like um, miscarriage. So if somebody was like sensitive about losing a baby or being pregnant or something like that. Um, that is kind of like a tough, tough thing to talk about, but, um, okay. So Halloween of 2016, um, I literally, it, it wasn't, I think it was Halloween night. Anyway, I went to a Halloween party at my friend's house. And so I'm a part of this big group of people. We all play tennis together. So there were two different tennis teams and you know how tennis is in Atlanta. It's wild. Like it's, it's a big place for tennis. So, um, there were two tennis teams that kind of converged and it was a Halloween party dress up kind of deal. So I was in my costume and um, the woman held it down in her basement. She had like a fully finished, like really, really cool basement. And there was even like a bar built into it. And so to give some context that summer, I had, I was 40 years old that summer and I had gotten pregnant unexpectedly, but I had lost the baby. And so I ended up like, I know you're guys and you don't want to hear too much about this girl stuff, but, um, I, I had a, what was called a missed miscarriage. So I baby passed away and I didn't know it. And so later I found out when I went to that, the three month appointment and then had to have, you know, had to have like a procedure because the baby just was sticking with me, you know? And so it was obviously, it was my first time ever being pregnant. Um, as a 40 year old, it was trauma, it was traumatizing, you know? And so it had happened during the summer. So by Halloween, I was kind of like moving forward with my life, trying to, to work on my fertility, to get pregnant again, which I did eventually. And I have a four-year-old, a uh, five-year-old kid now. So mm -hmm. it all worked out. But at the time, anyway, that had happened. So there was a woman who was the leader of a different tennis team who was there. And she was behind the bar making people drinks. And I always steered clear of this lady because she had a very intense alpha personality. And it just, I mean, I realize now, I think it was my, um, that that sort of uh, empath skill in me that was kind of warning me off of her because it turns out that the, I think this woman had some darkness around her but the way I wrote it off in my mind was saying like hey she's she's too aggressive yeah I just I don't like that kind of character like she always tries to come over top of 
people, like one up people and everything. I don't like that. So I always um, was steering clear of her. Well, she had wanted me to join her tennis team that was above my skill level that summer. And I didn't end up joining it. And so she's making me a drink at the bar. And she said to me, um, She's like, hey, why didn't you ever join my tennis team this summer? I wanted you to join. And I didn't want to say to her, hey, lady, I was afraid I would make a fool of myself. I'm not as I'm not up to that level yet. Like I wouldn't have done well on your team. I didn't want to say that. So I said to her, I said, you know, well, I was pregnant then. And even though it was in the beginning, I was kind of nervous and I didn't want to like overtax my body. So I just thought maybe I would wait another year or something to do whatever. Like this is basically what I said to her. And um, so this lady she has these very intense, like blue piercing eyes and she's an intimidating person, right? So she's standing, she's behind this little bar and I'm on the other side of it. We're in our costumes. This is very like a light evening. It's, you know, Halloween, everything is fun. And um, I'm sitting here telling her that. And I had my arm on the the bar and this is just, I don't know, man, this is just a, the weirdest thing that's probably ever happened to me. And so she's looking at me as I'm telling her the story of why I did not join her team. And she kind of like, she put her hand down and like gripped my, she gripped my arm like really hard, like with the strength that I don't know that I would have thought a woman of her age would have. She gripped my arm really hard and I'm, she's she was looking right into my eyes and it's like her face just suddenly looked different. It, it looked more intense. It just, I don't know how to describe it. It was very weird. And she looked like right into my eyes and she said, so she was basically referencing the time that I did not join the team, like a specific point in time, which would have been like May of 2016. And she looked at me and in this voice that was not her voice, like super intense, masculine voice, she said, your baby was already dead. Like she said it, like she didn't, it wasn't like, I can't even say it with like, she's like, imagine you're sitting there, someone's making you a drink, it's Halloween party. She grabs my arm, she's holding it down. It like, it was painful. And I'm a pretty strong person. And she said, your baby was already dead with this very, demo I mean, and I like, I was so taken aback. I, I sort of stumbled backwards a couple steps and I jerked my arm away from her. And I, I like looked up at her and her face was, her normal face. And she like pushed my drink towards me. And she said, don't forget your drink. Like just her, like she, whatever was there was there for just a moment. And then it was gone. And it was just, and the rest of the night, I mean, it scared the shit out of me. Like I, I told someone about it and they were just, I mean, it, it was so weird. She acted completely normal the rest of the night. Like, I don't think it, she knew what took place. And so the only thing I can, can think in that moment is like, it was just like a moment of demonic possession. And if anyone would see something like that, it might be somebody like me who is sensitive to it. But I mean, it scared the shit out of me because it was, she was coming, you know, that, how do you take someone saying that to you? And then having no, not seeming to have a memory that they said that something so evil to you. Oh, man. I don't know what's about this week. I've recorded several episodes. I've been speechless like three times. This is the third time. I'm that uh, I just feel kind of stunned. Joshua, you have covered a plethora of paranormal, you know, from from your standard ghost story, if there is such a thing to cryptids that have been followed to entities that have been worshipped. I mean, like, wh where does this kind of story fall for you? Do you have anything to compare it to? Uh, what first comes to mind when you hear Angelina's story? Because that's, I mean, you've done a good bit of these with me. That's one of the more 
short burst intense stories that we've heard this is the first one that i've personally heard like this um and and like you said we've we've done a couple of the couple of these episodes like this and we've heard a lot of gnarly stories but i've never heard one that was so concise but felt so real i will i'll put it that way because there's this phenomenon that I, I've been kind of like just loosely following in, in the paranormal where things like that happen, where people's faces kind of morph and like their eyes turn different colors and things like that. But it's for it's it's very short burst. Yeah. It doesn't happen often, but that's pretty much all I have on it. It just I mean, how would anyone have the nerve to ever say something so horribly rude to a mother who lost their child yeah. i mean you know like in, in the fact that she said it and she looked so different when she was saying it like i i don't know like there at first i was deeply offended and i thought i'm never speaking to that bitch again you know like i've steered clear of her ever since then and that was you know how long ago was that that was years ago but um yeah i did i had i really thought about it for a few days afterwards and i was like that wasn't that wasn't her that that was something else and the way she grabbed my arm, like she could have just broken right through my, I mean, it was a weird, very strong grip for a woman and who was about 60 years old. And, um, it like, there's, there's no other way to explain it. it. And then I just, I would always look at her face after that, like the rest of the night I'm looking over at her. She's making cracking jokes with people. And I was looking at her feeling like I wanted to burst into tears thinking, how could you treat me like that? And then just joke around with people. But I, I was trying to like work it out in my head. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the night, I was like, that was something, but it was not don't be mad at her, like be, feel sorry for her. Like I, in as much as I'm a Christian in this day and age, I was like, pray for that poor lady. Cause I, I mean, I was on the receiving end of that, but imagine if that thing is in you or I don't know how that works exactly, but I feel bad for mm. her. That's awful. Well, I'm sorry you had to go through that. Yeah. Of course, we're sorry that, you know, you um, lost your baby as well. That's I can't. Well, thank you. That's a, a hard thing for anybody to go through. It worked out in the end. It was okay. And once again, I just, I, I'm a person who can get past stuff. It, it worked out the way it was supposed to. And I have like a little five-year-old boy now and it all pan, panned out. But yeah, at the time it was, you know, I was still dealing with like that post-traumatic stress from going through all that, you know? Yeah. It's just like the meanest thing that somebody yeah. could say. Oh um, yeah. You can't get a lower blow. Huh. All right, Joshua, light, lighten the mood so we can do the outro. No, <laughs> uh, um, wow. Well, Joshua, did you have anything to add before we wrap up? Nope. You broke me. Um, I, <laughs> I, I, like That takes a lot. <laughs> it, I always have a comment, but I don't this time. Wow. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Well, Angela, thank you so much for sharing all those stories. I mean, from your time in the funeral home and, and kind of one of other than just my own curiosity of, of hearing you share that story again, I, I wanted the juxtaposition of going from, you know, somebody dying to hearing about ghosts. I thought that was kind of an interesting transition in a podcast like that, like this rather. Um, I did not quite know where we were headed. Uh, when you said you had uh, other stories to share, um, but I do appreciate you sharing them. So with that, Joshua, where can our audience find all your wonderful content? Yeah. Um, and first and foremost, uh, shout out to Sam. I know you're listening. Come see me at the coffee shop. I uh, appreciate you. 
Um, <laughs> but you can find me at Joshua Darren on all socials. That's D-A-I-R-E-N. Um, I have yeah. recently found out I'll be doing another documentary on Tubi, Most Haunted Hotels. Very excited about that. Nice. Um, I have a couple shows in the works, so y'all send some good energy out that way. These could be pretty life-changing, so I'm uh, I'm like manifesting them into existence. Yeah, come see me at the coffee shop. That's that's pretty much it. Coffee shop, downtown historic district in Oplica. And not to be confused, uh, audience, it is called The Coffee Shop. He's not being, <laughs> it, it, you know, joking about that. That is the name of it. So it's if you're there, the shop. yeah, if you're there, go check it out. The coffee is wonderful and the uh, people are even better. Angelina, you have your own content that you've got on TikTok. Where can our audience find your content? I am on TikTok exclusively at Angelina Explains. It's mainly story times, and I really appreciate the opportunity to to share and spend time with you guys. So thank you for that. With that, I'm Noah Daniels. Joshua Darren. I'm Angelina Calcaterra. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.